Dr. Robin Cook is a professional astrophysicist. What a wonderful title to have attained. I'm sure his family and friends are very proud of him. With an absolute passion for the universe and enjoying sharing his knowledge with us all, which we're very pleased about. From Oh, Belgian-born. Goodness me, how gorgeous. Um, Australian-bred research associate um, with ECRA or ICRA? ICRA. 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 We'll find out about that. UWA with a passion for all things science and astronomy. Currently undertaking a postgrad doctoral research at UWA. It's really really great to catch up with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you very much, Robin. There's such a personal, well, public interest, we were just saying Absolutely. earlier, in what's going on out there at the moment. What are you, why are we getting closer to finding things out? I think it's, it's, it's many things, right? Obviously, you know, engineering feats are, are just dramatically increasing in, in the scale of which we, we can achieve these things that we're, you know, these grand projects that we're undertaking. Uh, but I think there's also a lot of interest from the community as a whole, you know, people in general. I, I, I struggle to meet anyone that doesn't have a little bit of interest for astronomy. But now when we can disseminate such uh, interesting information to such a broad, uh, you know, gathering of people, then I think people are starting to talk about it more yeah. and starting to get interested in it more. And I think that really promotes our own scientific kind of pursuit of these things. I mean, the, the man landing on the moon was an incredible feat way, way right. back. And we've Before had, my time, I must say. Well, no, it wasn't before mine, thankfully. And in black and white, a little blurry vision of a man walking on the moon was yeah. something that we've only ever seen or thought about in movies and so on. But it's progressed a lot. It took a long time. I mean, that was about, that was back in 68 or something. Yeah, 68, 69 is yeah. So it's taken a long time between then and now, but we've got commercial flights going into space. That's right. Things have changed a little bit since then, haven't they? Big corporations, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the space traffic that's up there sending information down... There's a lot up there, isn't there? Absolutely. Not just uh, you know debris of, of just things in space, but now actually man-made things are becoming one of the more uh, populous things that are, that are up there, and that's something we actually, as astrophysicists, need to be worried about, right? Because, of course, the more things you put up there, the more things that are blocking our view of the night sky, and, in fact, oh, even, the, right. even the public's view of the night sky. Is that happening now? It's happening now. It's starting to ramp up, for sure, with you know, lots of big corporations sending you know, many thousands of satellites. Why are space. they sending it up? Well, for, for, you know, it's, it has a humanitarian purpose in that you want to put more satellites in space. It gets more connectivity to, uh, you know, remote places in the world, and you, you can take better imaging with more satellites. So, that, you know, there's definitely a, a push for this from a... For information, I get it, but for corporations, for business gain, is that happening? I mean, it's, it's definitely advancing a technology that yeah. they're interested in. This is, you know, broad-scale internet Huge. connection, which is it, it's incredible mm. to think about, you know, just being anywhere in the world and being connected to the internet. But at the same time, you know, this is, this is a real push in, in engineering feat. And, and I will mention this, this is the, the James Webb Space Telescope, which has just launched, is a Christmas gift to, to us. Yeah. Uh, Went to Christmas Day? Christmas Day it happened. There was, there was lots of delays. In fact, uh, 10 years of delays came to, to fruition and, and just a few extra delays on the end brought us into Christmas Day launch. And it really was a gift because this is, this is a project that's been going on for 30 years, uh, you know, at an international level. Uh, putting a, a massive telescope far into space. How big is it? We're talking uh, as big as a tennis court. You know, the, the, yeah. the size of this thing is, you know, the shield that it requires is as big as a tennis court. And and the, the, the telescope itself is actually also quite large. It's about, you know, six metres across. And, and this is 
much larger than anything we've ever put in space. Um, where, so, is it go? where is it going? So it's going very far. So the, the previous telescope that we talk about often in space is this Hubble Space Telescope, and this has a real place in our heart. It's a lovely instrument, but this is its successor. And uh, the Hubble Space Telescope was only really in a low-Earth orbit, just around the Earth, and now this thing is going all the way out past the Moon, very far away, mm-hmm. almost um, 160 uh, million kilometres. So it's very far away. So, so this, this thing we want to get it far away from the Earth because the Earth actually glows and this glow is, it, you know, interrupts with our observations. So getting this thing as far as we can, yeah, putting it behind a shield, uh, cooling it down, this gives us pristine images to look at. So with that distance away from Earth, you're still going to get pristine images, are you? Absolutely, yes. That Much is better amazing. Than, than close to Earth. But there's a problem there, of course. Now, how do you put such a large tennis-shaped thing into a rocket and send it, you know, this, many, this far away into the universe? Well... It requires some very, very complicated engineering. It's sort of, you can think of it like origami, metal origami. So you collapse this thing down into a small shape that can fit into a rocket. You send it on this rocket and you hope that nothing <laughs> rattles too much and then you send it off into space and, and it sort of origami unfolds, unfurls in itself out into a, into a large telescope. It's an incredible thing. It, it's more the minds of these incredible people oh, that put this together when they can do something like that. It's a pity they can't solve the problems we've got on Earth, <laughs> That's right. to be honest, because they've got such an incredible mind. You must be in awe of that. Absolutely. Just yeah. For myself, I'm a, I'm a scientist, but to see this engineering feats that are, that are happening, it just blows my mind. Do you know, like I said to you earlier too, we mor- mere mortals, <laughs> not yourself. I mean, you, you even suggested that perhaps you still are in awe of what's going on out there. We can't compre- comprehend, I suppose, infinity yeah it, it we all in life want a beginning middle and end we want to know where we stand and what's beyond that is something that will that ever be sold do you think i i, I think not and i think that's okay in yeah. some ways um you know in astronomy and this is this is why i love astronomy so much it's all about discovering new things and discovering what we don't already know and in some ways it's a an endless journey in that we don't have an end to the universe as far as and this is this idea of infinity right by definition there's no bound there's no end to it and so there's a lot out there and that means there's a lot that we can discover and i think that's really exciting what do you think we will discover well i think you know that's the big question yeah i mean and this is this is one of the great things about science is that i can't tell you no you can't because you haven't found out yet and if i could (laughs) tell you then i've already discovered it you know so (laughs) science is all about just going out there and and doing our best we can to, to, to look and look as far as we can, as, as broad as we can, to discover what we don't even already know. And I, I think Carl Sagan said this once. There's, you know, there's the things we know in the universe, the planets, the stars, etc. There's the things we don't know. And mm. aliens falls in that category. Dark matter, all these you know, uh, black holes, all these things fit in, fit in that we don't know. But then there's the third category, and that's the, the things we don't even know that we don't know yet. Yeah. We haven't even discovered their... Lacking. If you don't know, I'm telling you, we have no hope. But the thing is, what what have we learnt so far with these modules getting out into space, uh, with the new one going even further out? I mean, mm. what are you anticipating? Is it about finding out about space itself and Earth as well? It's, it's more to do with our own Milky Way galaxy, right? So our Milky Way yeah. is this collection of many hundreds of billions of stars, of which we orbit around one of those stars, which we're very fortunate to do. We're trying to discover about other galaxies like our own one. In fact, galaxies really far in the universe. And there's this really nice quirk in astronomy where as things take time, uh, the light travels from that object to us, that's a delay in time. So you can think of it like if something is a light year away, that takes light a year to get here. So 
we're starting to look with these big telescopes many millions hundreds of millions of light years away so hundreds of millions of years in the past and we're starting to discover what these galaxies look like so long ago can i ask you uh, these are very simple questions i'm putting to you if you don't mind but the black hole um and the big bang did that create the universe well we don't know um (laughs) and i'm okay with admitting that sometimes it's it's okay to admit you don't know things and the the big bang is of course at the very edge and the very beginning of the universe and so we don't have the instrumentation yet to to see that far we're hoping Telescopes like the James Webb Space Telescope are going to see as far out as, you know, the early, the earliest ages of the universe. And that kind of gives us a little bit more data to, you know, go back in time to look where that point started. How, what, what do you need to find to start to answer those questions? You need to, yeah, exactly. You need to stop going from extrapolation, which is what we do. We have our current uh, data and we have our current observations and we're, we're trying to extrapolate to a point in time. But... When you start collecting data around that time, I think that's when you start to make definitive assertions as opposed to yeah. these hypotheses. And that's okay. This is this pursuit of science. That do, you, do. do you actually get take samples from the, the planets out there uh, and you can work out from the samples that you take? Or This is my favourite thing about astronomy, I think, as a, you know, in comparison to other sciences. Most sciences, you have the ability to put something on a scale or get a ruler out and, and measure its size, et cetera, et cetera. I'm being a bit reductive here, but yeah, um, astronomy, we can't touch anything, really, at the end of the yeah. day. Everything's so far and so vast in scale. So we absolutely have to rely on just the light that's coming off of them. And we do a lot of what I would call forensic work. You know, you take Goodness. very little information and you try to build up a picture, a sort of an understanding of how, in, in this case, a galaxy might have come about. We know how they look. But we have no reference of how it got there. And so we're using all that information from the light, only the light, to build up sort of a, a history of that thing. So you get photographic um, descriptions coming to you and you can analyse from that. That's but do you all agree is what I'm wondering as well. No, no <laughs> we don't, we don't. It's, it, it, you know, and, and science is one of these interesting things. I mean, uh, compared to sort of other fields of academia, you know, history, et cetera, lawyers, you know, those kind of things. It's all about convincing someone that you're correct. But science is not like that. It's the opposite, in fact. You want to convince yourself that you're not correct, you know. That's how you learn new things. You know, if we kept discovering the same thing and kept proving ourselves correct, we wouldn't learn anything new. So it's it's this interesting thing where you have to sort of remember that you're trying to disprove your own ideas just... In, in order to learn new things. When you look at going back centuries and centuries and people that were civilization on in the on the world, in the world at the time on our planet, what would they have thought? Have you any idea about what was out there? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of historians that look into this kind of thing. And, and for sure, astronomy is, we claim it to be the, the oldest science. And that's not surprising. You know, the, the stars and, and galaxies have always been above us. That's not um, debated. So... It's deeply rooted in a lot of cultures, astronomy, for sure. And, and yeah. one of the oldest astronomy cultures is, of course, the Indigenous Australians. There's, you see many examples of, of using the stars as you know, tools, uh, you know, ways to navigate, ways to determine what time of the year or when to do this. And, and so they were very aware of the, the universe, I think, very aware of yeah. it. And more, maybe more so than, than we are now in the sense that we live in these big cities where you have lots of light pollution, which kind of shields a lot of the interesting stuff that's out there and we don't get to see that so i think in some ways 
you know, older civilizations were very in tune with, with astronomy. I think, it, yes, you're right. I think it formed a lot of cultures and a lot of religions, obviously, for people to try and get a, have an understanding of what we were here for and where we came from. And we're still shaking our heads mm-hmm. a little bit on that one as well. Yes, you look at, um, and I did bring it up, I'm sorry to do that, but uh, if you watch these streaming programs, Don't Look Up, which I think a lot of people are having a bit of a chat about because we're very interested in what's going on out there and the influence of the media and you've got your big corporates that are investing in this, like uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Bezos, is Bezos it? and Bezos, Elon Musk is another Gates example. and Gates, Jobs yeah. and Elon, Elon Musk, and that's you know, like I said, with that much money taking people up mm-hmm. there, so it's just a thrill for them. Um, so the work. Let's just get back to the work that you're doing with UWA. You're one day here at Curtin, but you're that's UWA right. with ICRA. 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 The, get it right. This is a mouthful. It's International Centre for Radio Astronomy Research. And what is the work for that? So, so okay. we we our you know big project is you know, equivalent to the, in scale to the James Webb, James Webb telescope is the square kilometre array. Now, this is the biggest telescope that will ever have been built, and it's right here on WA, our WA, you're right. Just yeah. five hours east of uh, Geraldton, and there's a second one being built in South Africa, and they sort of work in, in unison. But this is a really exciting project. Um, we're talking many hundreds of thousands of, of antenna placed across the desert all acting together in unison as, as one large telescope. Of course, there's this problem with telescopes. The bigger you get, the uh, the harder it is to build these things, right? They start to bend under their own gravity. So, of course, the, the clever thing to do is build lots of little ones, yeah. and they all work together and spread over a much larger area. And it's been working for, what, a couple of years now? Um, maybe, I'd say decades, but it's really, it's, a, it's becoming uh-huh. a new technology, this idea of um, creating smaller telescopes, putting them together and having them operate. Mm. How is it going to help the world population do you think this is one of those questions i get quite often and i I can't give you an answer but what i can tell you is that science is always about pushing what we uh can do with with engineering and and one of the classic examples is is radio astronomy in general this this uh field of using radio waves to do astronomy actually led to the invention of something like wi-fi technology and that was done here in in australia um under cyro so we, we're, we're pushing um, the the limits of what we know in terms of engineering and, and uh, you know these capabilities, mm. and that always leads to these trickle-on effects in terms of what we're creating for for um, for society actually as a whole. Well, the original space travel, of course, like the landing on the moon. Look at the technology that Absolutely. we've got out of that. We used to have computers the size of a house. Yeah, indeed. Now we've got them in our pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Pity about that though sometimes. Yeah, indeed. Um, so. What about the world as it is at the moment? I know this is getting a little bit sort of too local, I suppose, but um, how it is seen from not millions of miles out or kilometres out, but closer. Are are we in such a bad state as as people think, do you think, Um, as a planet? You know, I don't think we're doomed. (laughs) We'd never say that. but, but I think we're coming, becoming more and more aware of ourselves. And that does require a little bit of um, thinking outside of our own, you know, our own selves and then outside of our own community, outside of our own country and, and population. And astronomy does that for me, at least, where, you know, looking at galaxies and planets and stars, it, it takes you away from a lot of the, the local problems we have. Yeah, um, it and it kind yeah. of gives you a sense of scale and that these problems, while they're, you know, in our faces, are maybe not so... 
maybe not so you know big a deal as as we sometimes think. Try trying to think of it as the norm, I suppose, as as, as a person on on this earth, um, <laughs> that the universe is out there to open things up for all of us. It is very very exciting, I've yeah. got to say. Now I've like you, I'm sure, and a lot of other people involved in this industry um, are great followers of Brian Cox, mm-hmm. the English physicist who discovered in 2012 the Higgs boson particle. Right. What was that? So this is this missing piece in, in our kind of uh, grand picture of, of, of things at the very small scales. We know that things are made up. We're made up of uh, molecules and we're made up of atoms. We knew that. But there were particles below that scale that we weren't quite sure existed. We, and I say we, but physicists of the time were hypothesizing of, of all these, you know, building blocks of the of the universe, the smallest particles that we made up, and the Higgs boson was really the the final or one of the final keys in that picture that was missing there. But um, it w- its discovery sort of placed everything in a in more coherent picture, which is it was a very exciting time, of course, for physicists and people like yourself. It's wonderful that you have that ability to be able to communicate to us all and make it sound simple, which it's not. Uh, Not simple so much as understanding, and more of an understanding that we have. And we really thank you for that, honestly. It really does make a difference. I have a real passion for it. I think if I was to learn all this stuff myself and and never share it, I think it would be wasted. I I, I I kind of get that excitement of once learning it for myself and twice seeing other people excited by it. So it's it's a We we definitely are. So as a young bloke, you're only in your late 20s, um, when did you start having such an interest? Um... You know, I think, actually, I've always been interested in just discovering things, always been interested in learning how things work. Why is it so? Why is it so? Not just <laughs> taking things for fact, you know. <laughs> why does that microwave spin the way it does and things like that? And and I think that kind of stemmed in my kind of high school learning. And then I had a really excellent high school teacher, and I will call him out, Paul Zamponia from Dunkirk High School. He was an excellent um, Doesn't that make a teacher. difference? <laughs> it really yeah. does. And, and he... I think opened my eyes to astronomy in that, you know, astronomy has all of these things that are undiscovered. And so it was kind of natural for someone with my kind of uh, yeah, inspiration for learning to go into something like astronomy. Well, it, because we don't know enough about it as yet, and mm. it is not something we can put aside and say, that's done and dusted. Right. It's going to go on forever. Yes. So, um, job security, I will say that much. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it goes on forever. It You're does. absolutely right. Uh, the teachers would have loved you. You know, to be having such an interest in what they were interested in. Maybe. I think I was a bit of a, a clown at the time, but I think they... <laughs> you were the one that put the hand up all the time with yes, all the answers? No, that is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So you do go up to Bickley, don't you, yeah, sometimes? Yeah, that's the Perth Observatory. Um, yes. And it's, it's actually incredible that we have something so close to us here in Perth that, you know, it's, these are massive telescopes that are out these 30-inch telescopes, and... Um, you know, the public can go up there, and I go up there and volunteer my time to show this off to the to the you know public and anyone who's yeah. got an interest in astronomy. Because again, I, it, it's for me, it's a nice way to connect myself with with what I study. You know, yeah. I spend most of my time behind a computer at work and analysing images and writing code and reading papers. But it's nice to go up there and, and just get a sense of what I'm actually doing. I'm having a look at these things with my own eyes, and it, yeah. it, it, it re-inspires me every time I go up. And the look of wonderment on people's faces. Absolutely. So does it have to be a clear night for people to enjoy the experience? No, absolutely there? not. I mean, the clear night obviously gives us the ability to point our telescopes at things in the universe, but we have s- such a vast history in yeah. WA with astronomy, and a lot of that is rooted in, in the Perth Observatory, because, of course, these observatories were, were actually timekeeping uh, 
facilities back in the time. And we have lots of these old telescopes that are, you know, the size of, of a house in, in the <laughs> dome that they encapsulate. And they have a real rich history behind them. We have a, a museum of, of lots of quirks of astronomy throughout Western Australia and beyond. So, you know, even on the cloudy nights, we have people, you know, coming back for more. So. What would you suggest to somebody listening at the moment who has a grandchild or a son or a daughter that would be probably very interested in doing something like this sort of work? What is required? Well, I think there's sometimes a little bit of a misconception about people like myself being quite intelligent. and I think you might be, Robin. Well, I don't know for <laughs> sure, and who really knows. But I, I, above that, I think I'm passionate. I think yeah. I just have a, a real love for this thing. And for me, it's astronomy. For others, it might be something else. But I think it's really important to follow that passion. And, and truly, if, if astronomy is that passion, then being here in Western Australia is especially good. Um, I think I'm very fortunate to have grown up here because not only do we have these beautiful skies to, to inspire us, but you know the, the research centres that we have, I mentioned ICRA, CSIRO's over here as well, they're some of the best in the world. Yeah, and, good to know. And that's just on our doorstep. So we're really in a, a, an astronomy-rich uh, environment in Seemingly Australia. so. Well, we look forward to whatever you're going to come up with in the near future. And just finally, is there a particular planet out there that you have an extra love for? Or I, I really love Jupiter. It's, Jupiter, it's my favourite. It's the it? biggest of the lot, but it has really <laughs> beautiful moons, and I think the moons are the, the most interesting. Oh, moons. it is romantic, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, thank you. You're an absolute gem. Thank you so much, Robin. It thank was wonderful Jane. to speak my to pleasure. you. Robin Cook, astrophysicist. 